Shalom, good day, and welcome again to another edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. It's great to have you with us again for another conversation. Uh, we welcome you and thank you for your joining us today. Uh, and again, if you'd like to make a comment uh, on some of our con- conversations or suggestions, email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. We're very pleased to welcome two very, very special guests to today's uh, podcast, Rabbi Elon Glazer, the co-founder of Our Love Continues and the founder of Our Jewish Recovery, and Cantor Hinda Lebovitz, the also the co-founder of Our Love Continues. Two very, very interesting and exciting projects that really speak to um, issues that we rarely talk about within the Jewish community. And I guarantee you, because uh, of all of our work in Jewish sacred aging, a lot of us of our generation, grandparents, the grandparent generation, um, are dealing with this in our families in a variety of different ways. And a lot of times we don't talk about it, but we're going to talk about it today. So, um, Elon, welcome. Hinda, welcome. Welcome to Secrets of Meaning. Elon, since uh, I want to start right with you, uh, and again, thank you both for joining us. This um, conversation, this program that you started called Our Love Continues, it's fascinating. What is it? How did it come to be? Well, thanks so much for having us on this morning. It's an honor to be with you. Our Love Continues started uh, officially about a month ago now. And my wife and I, unfortunately, our son, Shamaria Zichri, was, was stillborn two months ago yesterday. And as we navigated the process, uh, we noticed that so many people don't talk about what happens when pregnancies don't go the way we want them to. And there were about 20 or so people who reached out to us to tell us that they had been through something similar. And we wondered why it was that we had never really heard much about about these challenges, and with a few notable exceptions. And we wondered, and we, we needed their wisdom, we needed their guidance, we needed other people to help navigate us through the process of mourning and burying and grieving our child. And we decided that we wanted, we wanted another resource for the Jewish community. We wanted a place where we could connect with other families who had gone through miscarriage, stillbirth, loss of a pregnancy, death of a child. We wanted to be able to hear and to be held by that Torah that others were sharing. And I have experienced creating Facebook groups and starting conversations in the Jewish community and thought, let's start on Facebook, and let's just invite the people who've already reached out to us to be part of a leadership team to try and navigate creating this community together. We were fortunate that a a number of wonderful people, including Kendra Hinta, um, volunteered to take on leadership roles and to help shape and craft what this is still becoming. And for now, we are a Facebook community that is open to Jewish parents who have suffered uh, miscarriage, stillbirth, end of a wanted pregnancy, or death of a child. And we're only, we only announced it a couple weeks ago, and there's already 150 plus people from all over the Jewish world sharing resources, sharing their challenges, sharing their pain, sharing what has worked for them and what hasn't worked for them and where they are on the journey. And if we do nothing else but 
provide a safe space where parents like us can can grieve Dainu, that would be enough. And I trust that we will continue to grow and provide resources and trainings for the Jewish community. We've already had a few a few clergy reach out to us saying, how can I be involved? We've had a few funeral directors wanting to be involved. And we're still very early and we're still figuring out uh, what exactly our love continues wants to be. But I, I trust that we are, to use a possibly not wonderful word at the moment, birthing a new organization that I think can serve a lot of people. So you mentioned it's a Facebook. Are you, are, can you give us the face, whatever the, the Facebook address? <laughs> um, if somebody is, hears this and is living this or wants to pass it along to somebody, where do they go on the great Facebook? Facebook. Absolutely. Facebook.com slash groups slash our love continues. Our love. Hinded, we, in, in our work in Jewish sacred aging, we, we do a lot of work in examining new ritual. Um, have you, I mean, and I know there are books that contain rituals um, that deal with exactly what our love continues is talking about, the stillbirth, et cetera, et cetera. How have you begun to incorporate some of this? Or what have you found? Have you created anything of your own that, a, that either you've put on the Facebook page or uh, been in contact with families? Talk to me about, you know, your, your perception of this. So when my son was born, he was diaphragmatic with a congenital diaphragmatic hernia within the hour after he was born. And he lived only for 39 days in the NICU before he died. And while we were in the NICU, we discovered that there are very few Jewish resources at all um, for parents who aren't following the traditional track, right? My son couldn't have a bris at eight days. And despite the fact that we were for certain not the first ones to experience that, uh, the people we contacted didn't really seem to have a better solution to how to bring him into the covenant in a way that wouldn't involve a bris at eight days. Um, we also, when he died, just after that threshold of 30 days, um, we had to do all sorts of funeral rites and we had a full week of Shiva, but a week of Shiva really feels good and protected and supported if you're Morning for somebody who's lived a long life and you have stories to tell about them and you have memories that you can share. But when you're so raw and it's so new and that person really didn't live a full life, it's really challenging. So we have, in my life, we have incorporated a number of rituals, um, including things for my son's birthday, my son's first birthday, we planted a tree in his honor. Um, and we get to watch that grow. Um, as far as other things, uh, Elon can actually talk more about what we've, what we've discussed vis-a-vis -vis Tahara, right? How do you wash a body um, when it's not a grown adult? Um, and the rituals around that, uh, the, the language around that is really about a grown adult, so even the liturgy has to change in those rituals. Um, and in terms of granting, we have to grant people the 
permission. They shouldn't need permission, but we need to grant people permission to grieve in a traditional way because our traditional texts up until this point don't really allow for that, right? They don't have any provisions for Shiva for a stillbirth. There aren't provisions for mourning a miscarriage or having an aliyah, any sort of naming. So we're really needing to start from scratch. Uh, and there's beauty in that and beauty in being able to do that in memory of our children. Uh, Elon, real quick, um, w- without doing a, an entire course in Jewish burial and mourning practices. Um, so, well, you know, this is one of these softball rabbinic questions. Can you just summarize the mourning and uh, uh, burial uh, uh, practices for stillbirth as it's found in the Jewish tradition? Uh, you know, um, Hinda mentioned the 30 days things. What Talk to me about what that is. What What's that trigger before and after? Well, it's interesting because halakhically, according to Jewish law, we were obligated to do absolutely nothing after our son died. And many communities don't even treat it as a real death unless it's after 30 days. And some say after 90 days. And so we were faced with this challenge of our tradition doesn't want to obligate these rules upon us to sit a full week of Shiva and to be in mourning for 30 days or a year. But we ourselves needed that opportunity and we needed to be held by our tradition. So we wanted a we wanted a burial service in a cemetery. We wanted a we wanted rabbis present. We wanted Shmira. We wanted our, our son's body to be watched over before the funeral. We wanted a Jewish funeral. We wanted a tahara where his body would be washed before the burial, and the Baltimore Hever Kedisha wouldn't provide that for us because unless someone is three months old, they don't get involved. Then we were forced to do it ourselves, which in a roundabout way was an incredibly holy, painful, but powerful uh, ritual for those of us who were there. And we decided to sit Shiva for a full week and to say Kaddish for three times a day for the full 30 days. We were not required to do any of that, but we needed that for right. ourselves. It's fascinating, though. You're, um, where were you ordained? I just want to make a point. Uh, I was ordained by Aleph, the okay. Jewish renewal so, movement. Oh, I, I, I have some friends. I, one of the people, I, uh, a very good friend of mine, was just ordained as a rabbinic pastor from the program. So here you take, and this is very instructive for, for people who may be listening and watching this. Here you take a ritual, a, a, a tradition, and you said, this does not work for us. We need to do this. We need to do these rituals for us. Um, as opposed to what the tradition said. Did you have any, you know, like, sort of like, you know, am I going against, you know, Jewish tradition, Jewish law, or was it more, I, this is for us. This brings meaning to us. I, could you just, both of you, just talk about that? Because there may be some people who are walking through this path who are from a very, very traditional community. As you said, the Hever Kadisha wouldn't deal with it. And they said, I, I can't, do, I, I have to do this for me. Could you talk to me about that struggle? I'll give Elon a minute to regroup. 
Um, I think that this is really worth looking at from the perspective of a change in the way the world works, right? That, thank God, we live in a society which does not suffer from the enormous rate of infant mortality and lost pregnancies that our ancestors did even a hundred years ago and more. And so if you imagine that we've all heard stories of ancestors who had 15 pregnancies and three living children or something like that. And if that were true and you were obligated in a full even 30 days, much less a year of mourning, everybody would always be in mourning all the time. Right. And to be in that era where this was so common and also that's where that root of the superstitions around pregnancy, right? That a pregnancy isn't complete until it's, until uh, you have a live child birth. And our society doesn't work that way anymore. Thank God. But it also means that when a child dies, when a child is stillborn, when a pregnancy isn't completed, that is so much more traumatic, right? And our tradition is so smart. Our tradition is so beautiful when it comes to mourning rituals and bringing people first, you know, you, they're not required to do anything until they bury their loved one. And then Shiva takes place in their home and everybody comes to them. And then the next step, they're required to take steps out into the community. And there's this almost soft process by which people re-engage with the world. But to say that when somebody loses their child, particularly their infant child, that they're not obligated in anything is, is very challenging, right? And it's worth it for us to say, actually, at those moments which are most traumatic and most difficult, we should be using our tradition and reframing it so that it includes this and includes these mourners, maybe not just a little bit, but in an amplified way. Thank you. Uh, and, and I think you really do speak to the, uh, a lot of the things that we, we're finding on the, the other side of life, um, uh, in, in our work with Jewish sacred aging. And it is this explosion of new rituals, regardless of what the halacha says, because it, this is, I'm living this. I need something from my tradition to hold me, to support me. And so I'm going to do that. I'm either going to rewrite like a Gomel blessing and bring it up to date, or I'm going to create a new blessing or ritual that speaks to where I am in my life because I'm in my 80s, 90s, and 100s. And 2,000 years ago, we may not have lived that long in different circumstances. Elon, once again, give me the Facebook page. I, I wish I had the vocabulary. My grandchildren know how to say this. But if somebody wants to do this, where, where do they go on the Facebook? Sure. They go to facebook.com slash groups slash Our Love Continues. And I think if you just put in Our Love Continues on Facebook, it'll it'll give you a link to join the group. And if, if anyone has gone through these experiences themselves, we'd be honored to, to have you with us. Please answer the questions and we'll be happy to let you in. So 
this also speaks to a large one of the larger issues that you mentioned before that as of stigma um there's still a certain as enlightened as we may think we are in this day and age there's still a certain amount of stigma to what you're talking about with our love continues how much the more so with the other organization our jewish recovery um and we've done some work in this uh, because the recovery issue is not, is, is multi-generational. And in fact, one of the recent guests we just had on one of our podcasts, a, a, a rabbi, uh, locally, uh, here in South Jersey, Rabbi Parisi, um, who came out to his congregation about his struggles, uh, with addiction. Talk to me about again, what our Jewish recovery is. Is it, is it just a web-based thing? Uh, how did you, what was the motivation for creating this organization? Well, our Jewish recovery started three years ago, and I will say that seven years ago, I got into recovery from addictions myself, and I started looking around the Jewish world to ask, where are we? Where are the resources? Where are we providing meaning? Where are the books? Where are the texts? Where are the retreats? And I found very little. There are some wonderful organizations. There are more now than there were seven years ago when mm -hmm. I was looking. But I was looking for community. And in a roundabout way that you could not have told me would become my story, I started, I, I started teaching about Judaism and recovery. And almost every time I did, people would come up to me with tears in their eyes and tell me that I was the first Jew they'd ever heard talk about this. And they had felt so alone and ignored by our tradition. And I hated to see that. I hated to hear that our tradition was just not speaking to people who needed it to. In their moments of pain, our tradition was saying either nothing, which is what most clergy say about addiction. They just don't talk about it at all. At all or they'll say actively harmful things. And I've heard too many stories of of, of, of rabbis who will say to someone, well, if you hadn't married a non-Jew, this addiction problem would never have happened, which is just uh, beyond awful. Or, or the classic, you know, a shikar as a goy, we don't have these problems in our midst, so if you have this problem, you're really not one of us, you know, you don't belong here. And I have this crazy idea, perhaps, you know, tell me if you agree, I have this crazy idea, the Jewish tradition is meant to help people live better lives and find sacred community together and go through and grow through our struggles. So in a roundabout way, a few years ago, I started, after writing a book about, about Judaism and recovery, I started a Facebook group. And three years later, we have almost a 1,000 members. We've got about a dozen weekly Jewish recovery meetings and classes and book studies and Torah studies and online retreats. And we are building a global movement to address recovery in the Jewish community. And the stories that we're hearing about people who have found hope and connection through a Jewish lens with us, that's why I do this work. And my hope is that the same thing will be true with Our Love Continues. Because really the, the link between the two of them was A, I wanted to find my people who had gone through e either of these things, either addiction or death of a child. And I just I wanted to 
uphold. There is there is sacred Torah in these in both of these communities, and I wanted people who have gone through this to teach the Jewish world what we need to know in order to truly be welcoming to all. The book is "And God Created Recovery," and and um, is it on the Great God Amazon? I, I would imagine. Uh, you can find it through ourjewishrecovery.com as well. Yes, it's Amazon knows all and sees all. It's like, uh, so talk to me about, so it, is this a 12-step program? We welcome people from all different recovery paths. There's a bit of a machloket. There's a, there's a debate in the recovery world about what the best path to recovery is. Many people say the 12 steps are the only way to go. Many other people say the 12 steps is not the only way to go. And in some cases is actively harmful. We, we, we don't take a, uh, we don't take a one size fits all approach. We welcome everyone recovering from any addiction who wants to blend Judaism with their recovery. On the website, you talk about classes and podcasts and retreats. Okay, are these ongoing, uh, as, uh, even with the pandemic, and hopefully as we move, hopefully out of this Michigas from the last two plus years? Uh, how, how do you, uh, where have you run these retreats? Are you still planning on these retreats? Um, what kind of classes go into this uh, program? We, we we've actually only ever met on Zoom. We we've not done anything in person yet because we started a couple of years ago. We hope to to do a lot more in person when uh, when it's safe for us to do so. We have a couple of virtual retreats that we do each year now. We have a we have a stepping into liberation pre Passover retreat. We've also got a stepping into Chuba pre High Holiday retreat. Uh, last year we added stepping into the light a Hanukkah gathering. And we partner with with about twenty other Jewish recovery and healing organizations uh, to bring people together. We have we've had hundreds of people join us, which is lovely. And we've got again about a dozen weekly classes that are ongoing. So what, and they are so a combination about, of meetings. About what what kind of classes? Just give me the two or three classes. So we've we've classes. got uh, of the dozen or so that we do. I would say seven or eight of them are recovery meetings themselves. Some are open. One's a twelve-step group. We've got a, a, a group for alcoholics. We've got a group for studying adult children of alcoholics. Is another fellowship. Uh, we just launched one for people who who want to grow from codependency. We're working on a few others: cluttering, and narcotics, and gaming, and and mental health challenges. We've done workshops on suicide awareness and mental health. We've done a couple movies. We study Torah from a recovery lens twice a week, and we have got a group coaching program now, and we do special events. We had a Purim celebration just the other day, and we love to connect Judaism and recovery however we can. So if somebody wants to, to, to contact you about this, again, what's, what's the contact information, the website or the Facebook page, etc.? They can go to ourjewishrecovery.com or they can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash ourjewishrecovery. They'll find us either way. What did we do with all, before all of this? But the role of ritual, I, 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 because it's fascinating to me because all of this is emerging uh, now in the last, I'd say decade, two decades, maybe more, um, certainly in the lifetime of my rabbinate. 
that these things have come to be discussed more openly in congregation land within the Jewish community. Um, from your experience as a chazan, the the power of ritual in all of this. What? How do you see it? Have you seen a music song? Because I know we just had Perry Smilo on, and I've talked to other people who've done a, a music around with Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that. But this is a whole different, you know, category of of let's say concern. What's been? What's your feeling about this? How? important is music in all of these conversations music is a very powerful vehicle for catharsis right and ritual is a very powerful vehicle for catharsis to the extent that we can marry the two so much the better i think the power of music in addition to ritual is for us rituals give us steps not related to recovery, but maybe rituals, maybe recovery is a ritual. Um, recover, uh, <laughs> ritual gives us steps through which we can channel our emotion, right? And so both for the person experiencing the emotion and for people who desperately want to support the person having that trauma, that loss, whatever it is, there's something powerful about being present at a ritual, right? We've all been present at a funeral. Does it matter that I was one of 200 people who attended a funeral? I don't know that that person even remembers that I was there, but the fact that there were 200 people there made that person feel embraced. And the fact that I was there made me feel like I was doing something to contribute to the emotional growth evolution experience of the person who was grieving so i think with music music grows by the number of people who are contributing to it and so there's power in volume there's power in being able to lend one's voice in harmony in melody these rituals and to hold others right there there were parts of my loss where i felt after after my loss that i couldn't sing but being in a room full of people who were singing being able to take a moment to breathe and just listen that was a big thing for me and i'll say this pandemic put a real pin in congregational singing it put a real pin in singing as a group in a ritual and I want to express some gratitude for being, God willing, back in a time that we can all be together again and embracing each other in that way. You know, thank you, because I, I, it's very interesting because in these two very brief conversations about the two programs, Our Love Continues and Our Jewish Recovery, both of you, you know, affirmed that you, the power of community and that the, a pathway to some sense of shleimut is through community, is through being in with other people. That it, it, it's very, very much of a challenge to do go through these things alone, alone. And that the fact that there's a, a congregation or a community or a group or or whatever 
that can walk with you and literally hold your hand either literally or electronically um, really is salvation in itself in many ways. So uh, Rabbi Elon Glazer, the co-founder of Our Love Continues and the founder of Our Jewish Recovery and Cantor Hinda Labovitz, the co-founder of Our Love Continues. Thank you very much. This is uh, fascinating. Uh, we wish you just continued success, health, most of all, especially now. Um, and again, real fast, because uh may have gone real fast. Elon, the two Facebook connections um, for people who may be interested in either one of these programs, give them to me again before we sign off. Sure. Facebook.com slash groups slash Our Love Continues. Or facebook.com slash group slash our Jewish. Listen, thank you guys very, very much. I appreciate it. Uh, say a little Balmer for me. And uh, <laughs> my second home for many, many years. Uh, so thank you. Just stay safe and um, be well. Thank you very much. To all of you, thank you very, very much for joining us in today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the TV show and podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Um, we welcome your suggestions and comments to me, Rabbi Address, at jewishsacredaging.com. And if you'd like to support our work and the growth of these podcasts and our program uh, and make a donation, tax-free, of course, uh, because that's that time of year, you can go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and scroll down to the conveniently located Donate button and just follow the prompt. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And again, a shout out to our producer, Steve Lubetkin. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and we look forward to greeting you on the next edition of Seekers of Meeting. In the meantime, take care, stay safe, everybody, and shalom. <music>